0: From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendlypeopleatchurchescare.com. At ChurchesCare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. ChurchesCare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit ChurchesCare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com.
1: For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
2: A vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. What we realize with our five senses is but a tiny fraction of all that is real. The universe is not a product of matter and energy, but a projection of consciousness and energy. Welcome to the World Beyond Radio. I am your host, Joe Wegent, and I'll be your guide and advocate as we remove the blinders of our everyday lives and experience together all that exists out there in the world beyond our world. We've got an exciting show for you today. We're going to have a uh, guest, Sarah Baldwin, who is from southern Indiana. She resides in Tell City. And Sarah Baldwin is a writer and herbalist from the woods of southern Indiana who seeks to share the healing power of nature with others. She is the author of The Herbal Healing Deck, an earthy and mystical oral deck invoking the spirits of 48 medicinal plants for guidance and healing. Her articles on natural wellness and metaphysical topics have been featured in various online and print publications, including Plant Healer Magazine and The Herbarium. Sarah has nurtured a lifelong love of nature and the healing arts, Attuned to Reiki at age 13, she is a Reiki master who holds a BA in Communication and Culture from Indiana University. Sarah has studied medicinal plants for over 10 years, and in 2010, she completed an herbalism internship with the company Herb Farm, that's P-H-A-R-M, she has years of experience in wildcrafting and cultivating medicinal plants, as well as medicine making and connecti- connecting with plants energetically to bring forth their messages. Sarah has re- recently featured on StarSeed Radio Academy podcast, and will travel to Colorado in June to teach at this year's "Good Magazine Confluence or I'm sorry, "Good Medicine Confluence." Hosted by Kiva Rose and Jesse Wolf-Harden of Plant Healer Magazine. Good morning, Sarah.
3: Good morning, Joe.
2: It is a pleasure to have you on the show today.
3: Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here.
2: You know, my wife and I have been uh, amateur herbalists for several years, making our own medicines and our own tinctures and concoctions and things like that in order to uh, stay healthy without any kind of uh, pharmaceutical influence. Uh, oh, apparently, wow, okay. you've been doing this a lot longer than we have. We've been doing this probably the last um, well, seven or eight years or so.
4: Oh, that's wonderful, though. Yeah, great way to stay healthy.
2: Yeah, we uh, we actually stopped even taking vitamins oh, years ago. We just uh, mix up a... Uh, a batch of different herbs together and make teas out of that each morning and that's how we get our vitamins and our uh, minerals and the things that we need to stay healthy without having to rely on uh, some kind of a mass-produced tablet or capsule or something
4: oh that's wonderful and i think that's a more natural way of getting what your body needs that's more along the lines of you know what our ancestors would do right um, our ancestors somehow survived without these mass-produced pills like vitamins. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Um, but
4: it's a- also a great way to connect with the energies of all of those plants that you're brewing
3: into your teas. Well, in the
2: few minutes that we have left before we have to cut to our first break, can you tell us how you actually got into this and what, what sparked your interest in this field?
4: Sure. Sure. Um, So I was lucky enough to grow up out in the country, out in nature. And so I grew up in an old farmhouse out in the woods, basically. And um, the Midwest is a very medicine-rich area and the Ohio River Valley in particular. Um, So, you know, when I was a child, I spent a lot of time outside in nature and I just had a really deep connection to nature as a whole and to the plants in particular. And, um, You know, I used to, I look back at the things I used to do as a child and I just, excuse me, I just laugh because, you know, of course now I'm an herbalist, but at the time when I was really young, I used to, I just knew that nature was magical, right? That was my, my inner sense. And I used to do things like, when it rained, um, I would collect water in glasses, and then I would add leaves and flowers and let that soak in the sun and make, quote, magical potions. (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) So I was doing that at a pretty young age, and then I would, you know, take these magical potions and use them to, you know, pour them over the branches of trees that looked like they were sick and things like that. So I was making these potions and then trying to use them to heal trees and things with them. So... Anyway,
4: and I think that that's the type of thing that um, kids do uh, naturally is connect with nature and even talk to animals or talk to plants sort of before we're programmed by society and told that those things are silly, you know, and that they can't really hear you, honey. (laughs) But of course, I think now that they can, nature can hear you.
2: I also agree that there's, there's a lot of things that we program our kids not to think about or believe in and uh, I, I think that uh, it takes away a lot whenever uh, we grow up that you know not to believe in certain things but we're going to get into that just as soon as we come back from our break folks you're listening to the world beyond radio show i'm your host joe wegent and we will get back with sarah baldwin in just a few minutes stay tuned Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent. And this hour, we are talking to Sarah Baldwin, who is an herbalist and naturalist. And we're going to be talking about the power and the healing powers of natural plants and herbs. You know, Sarah, I, I'm a spirit medium, and I, I deal a lot with uh, things in the paranormal realm. And... Uh, I talk to a lot of people who also have a certain gift and sensitivity and things and almost universally they all can recount some story where as a child they've uh, explained that they can see things or do things and they've been told by their parents to stop doing that. And I also have stories just like that myself. So whenever you were talking earlier about, you know, mixing water and and leaves and, and trying to feed plants and things, why is it important that at a, as a young children that we learn to connect with nature and, and try to maintain a hold on nature, especially in our modern society where we're so reliant on, uh, uh, technology and, and electronics. Why is it so important to connect with nature and maintain that connection? Mm,
4: that's a great, that's a great point. And a great question. Um, <clears throat> the biggest reason is because nature is a healer and, um, you know, this is a concept that, once again, most of us understand, I think, maybe on an instinctual level. So, and as children, we definitely do. Um, But as adults, you know, when we're stressed out, uh, what do we do? Oftentimes, we might just want to go sit outside or go for a hike in the woods and things like that. And even people who are maybe living in cities and can't enjoy nature as much, we'll go to a city park, um, or even, you know, as, as they're trying to fall asleep, we'll listen to nature sounds, like a recording of a babbling brook or the ocean and things like that. So I feel like we're we're always reaching for nature, and we feel its lack when, when we're not connected. Um, but there are some holistic healing traditions that are emerging that recognize um, the myriad benefits of being in nature. So one example of this is um, a Japanese term, shinrin-yoku, which means forest bathing.
6: Mm.
4: And um, this is just the idea of a a person just simply visits a natural area and walks in a relaxed way. (laughs) Um, So just a stroll through the woods. And uh, it's, it's really been shown to have many rejuvenative and restorative effects. Um, So, you know, this is coming from a website called shinrin-yoku.org, and
3: they were mentioning that the scientifically proven benefits, so apparently Japanese
4: scientists and also South Korean scientists are studying this and are able to quantify, like, what happens to people physiologically um, after they've been forest bathing. And they're finding um, that it boosts the immune system, reduces stress, reduces blood pressure. Um, Improves the mood, improves sleep, uh, energy levels, and increases the ability to focus, even in children with ADHD. Um, So this is sort of, it's almost like the opposite of that uh, technological influence you were mentioning, Joe, um, which I think is sort of steering us in the opposite direction of a shorter attention span and things like that. Um, So that's what, you know, the scientists are able to sort of quantify. That's from the outside looking in what's happening to people out in nature. But what the people themselves who are forest bathing, what they're reporting is deeper and clearer intuition, increased flow of energy and life force, so chi, um, increased capacity to communicate with the land and its species, which is fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, overall increase in sense of happiness. Um, So that's from forest bathing. And, you know, there's also something called the earthing movement, which earthing, what that is, is simply a connection, a physical connection with the earth. Um, so a lot of times this manifests in the form of uh, bare feet, <laughs> just walking walking along the beach with bare feet or walking along the grass. It helps if it's a, a moist ground um, because what they are, it's like an electromagnetic energy coming up from the earth. Free electrons is what uh, the science calls it. Um, but this energy, this healing energy coming up from the earth all the time. And this is something that, you know, um, once again, our ancestors knew intimately. And this was something that people used to do. I mean, we used to sleep on the ground and be a lot more out in nature all the time. And even, um, you know, many indigenous peoples would wear leather moccasins which have been shown to conduct that energy much better than you know the the shoe the soles of our shoes that we wear now um so you know and earthing once again uh, science is starting to show um, this information comes from a scientific journal actually the journal of environmental and public health and they were saying that it's a very similar list of things helped by earthing so improved sleep less anxiety um, quicker recovery from injury and illness, reduced levels of stress hormones like cortisol, which we know can wreak havoc in the body, um, and overall, you know, decrease of pain and inflammation, which is huge. And this is also true, by the way, for people who garden with bare hands. If you can get your bare hands in the mud, um, people report, a, you know, a lessening of arthritis pain and things like that. So I think that nature is a healer, and nature therapy is so real. But it's almost so simple that a lot of people might be skeptical that it works because
3: we we feel like our, you know, in conventional medicine sort of has this attitude that, hey, your problems are big problems and there's no way that a simple uh, solution is the best solution. But I think sometimes it really it really is.
2: You know, along those lines, uh, they say that children that go out and play in the mud and play in the dirt and just get themselves just completely coated in mud are actually uh, healthier by far than children who live in HEPA-filtered, you know, artificial societies, uh, you know, inside of a home and never seeing outside. So that's, uh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, in my uh, Reiki classes, I, I teach uh, about pulling the energy from the earth through the bottoms of the feet whenever we're uh, mm-hmm. delivering energy to people. So that that's, you know, it it's all connected in one way or the other.
3: Yeah, that's that's very cool. That's wonderful.
2: So, you know, modern pharmaceutical companies, uh, for the last oh I don't know, 40 or 50 years. They've taken our natural plants and herbs and things like that, and they'll go and find out why it's beneficial in some way. And they will try to find the particular molecule that will bring about a certain condition. Uh, A a prime example would be white willow bark was used to make aspirin. And, you know, they found out that red wine has a, 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 a substance called resveratrol. And so pharmaceutical companies will take these little molecules and then replicate them in the factory and make a pill out of them. Now, is, is that the better way to go or is it the better way to go to get the synergistic effects off of actually using the, the whole plant itself?
4: Oh, well, um, definitely the whole plant and for a variety of reasons. You know, science, I mean, I, I enjoy um <laughs> I enjoy science to an extent. I think that we really need a balanced approach, right, left and right brain, Um, and that includes plant medicines. Um, So science is very reductionist, and they do just view plants as, uh, you know, a conglomeration of phytochemicals, Um, and they'll pick them apart and reduce them to those chemicals and say, okay. And it's almost like uh, they're projecting our conventional uh, medical system onto this traditional Practice of herbalism, which goes way back, you know. No matter what um, ethnicity or, or wherever you come from, you know, all of our ancestors. This is the original medicine, is plant medicine. Um, so, you know, while the, I personally think that yes, um, on a, even on a physical level, plants often, and this is shown, this has been proven in various studies that um, plants have, like you were saying, synergistic um, capabilities. So. Sometimes, you know, if you isolate one compound from a plant, um, without the rest of those compounds, you might get more side effects or it might be less effective. Um, but the other thing that science really doesn't take into account is that plants also have a spirit. Um, so, you know, this this is uh, uh, coming out of the ancient practice of shamanism um which was something that all pre-industrial cultures had the practice of shamanism and many indigenous and tribal cultures still have and shamanism is also you know um, coming into the non-indigenous world as well uh, so from the shamanic tradition um, plants are recognized as having their own unique spirit or consciousness um, and so you know there's this this practice that's emerged it's called plant spirit healing sometimes it's called plant spirit medicine it's really the same thing Um, And it's this idea that, you know, uh, plants, you don't even necessarily have to ingest a plant physically in order to experience its healing benefits um, because the spirit itself and your relationship with that plant is actually the strongest medicine. So, of course, if you're taking a synthetic pill, a synthetic version of aspirin, you know, willow bark, you're missing out on that whole energetic interaction with the willow tree um, which could be really healing all by itself.
2: Absolutely. So, how does how does plant spirit healing in itself actually relate to shamanism?
4: Mm, okay. Um, so, <clears throat> within you know shamanism and within all indigenous cultures, plants are considered to possess intelligence and awareness and a soul. And in shamanism, everything does, right? You know, mm-hmm. there are, each animal has a spirit. Each stone has a spirit. The earth herself has a spirit. Um, so really, that's how plant spirit healing relates to shamanism. Is um, it, it sort of just emerges from that tradition. Um, and oftentimes, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the shaman or healer is able to communicate with the plants directly to learn how to use that plant medicinally so, and this, of course, runs counter to our conventional scientific wisdom, which says that herbal medicine
3: was developed by a long series of trial and error, which uh-huh. <laughs> every time I hear that, I just think, wow, that would be a lot of error. There are a lot of poisonous and dangerous plants out there, those poor people, you know. Uh, I think maybe it was a little bit of both. I think both ideas are valid. But what the indigenous communities themselves will tell you is, oh, no, you know, the plants
4: themselves taught us how to use them. Um so you know in the shamanic experience and in the plant spirit healing realm plants are seen as teachers and allies um, and you know this kind of goes above and beyond the level of how to use plants physically because when you enter into relationships with plants they can also teach you about yourself Um, i found that you know plants are healing on multiple levels right not only the body but also the mind the emotions and the spirit Um, So plants have this uncanny ability to sort of hold up a mirror for you and show you things about yourself, um, including some non-physical things that might need to be healed or looked at. So like, hey, maybe you need to learn more self-love or um, if you're still holding on to anger towards a a friend or something like that. uh, When you enter into sort of a relationship and conversations with plants, they can show you those things in many ways. So it's, it's fascinating. So plants in the shamanic tradition are are friends, you know, they're message bearers and and allies, but they're also considered our friends and companions.
2: That is uh, that's deep. Mm. <laughs> so I had a question, and now I'm listening to you go uh, <laughs> with with your with the, the plant spirit, it uh, I I completely lost where I was going to go with it.
3: I know, but, it can be kind of mind-blowing, you know, when you first hear these things, it's like, whoa, really?
2: <laughs> well, you know, people have uh, have attributed those same kinds of things to the use of crystals and oh, yes. uh, and stones and gemstones and things like that because they each have certain properties. And by connecting with them, you can find out what they are and what they can do. And so there are just gobs and gobs of books out there that explain what particular crystals can do and how they can help and, and how they can interact with us and plants are the same way.
3: That's absolutely right, Joe, and I'm glad you mentioned that because this is a, a well, I'm, But
2: We're going to bring that back oh, as okay. soon as we get back off of a break. We're going to okay. cut away for just a few minutes for some messages, folks. You're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and we are talking with Sarah Baldwin this hour. Stay tuned. We'll be right back in just a minute. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegen. And this hour, we're talking with Sarah Baldwin and the magic and healing properties of plants and their uh, ability to help us with their energies. And when we left, we were talking about the correlation between connecting with plants and their different energies and crystals and their different energies and the correlation of those things and how we can connect with them. How can people begin to learn to start... Uh, connecting more deeply with uh, with plants.
4: Okay, okay. So, um, so there's this great quote uh, by this man Elliot Cowan, who wrote the book called Plant Spirit Medicine, and which was kind of the seminal book on this topic. Um, and he says there is only one active ingredient in plant medicines: friendship. <laughs> friendship. Mm. Um, so. You know, I would say the first way sort of just to dip your toes into this idea of connecting with the plants more deeply is to start just sort of shifting your awareness and start to think of them as friends um, and get to know them that way. So just like it takes time to get to know a human friend, the same is true with plants. So I recommend for folks who are maybe just getting started with plant medicines um, and plant spirit medicine, maybe just pick one plant at a time. And really dive deep with that plant and get to know that plant over time. Um, and you know, there are many in terms of, like, you know, actual techniques of getting in touch with plants. There are a lot of different ways to do this. Um, there are many different forms of meditations that people can do to connect with plants, which we can get in, into more later if you'd like. Um, but just on a on sort of a day to day level, it's really all about intention. So there's this idea that, uh, and we hear this sometimes in the spiritual community, like with our guides or with the angels or anybody that you might be working with um, on the other side for help, that they can't do anything unless we ask them, right, Mm -hmm. unless we invite their help. So there's that same concept in plant spirit healing, that the plants can do nothing unless they are asked. Um, So it's really all about intention. So I encourage folks, you know, who are already maybe drinking teas or taking tinctures and things like that, Um, to just take a moment before you imbibe those medicines and ask for healing. Um, You know, if you have a stomach ache and you're drinking a cup of chamomile tea, just get quiet for a moment and maybe hold the cup in your hands and energize it with Reiki or uh, any other energy. And um, just ask, hey, you know, please chamomile, please come and help heal my stomach. Um, Or if you want to take it a step farther, you could say, you know, Uh, help me understand the underlying reason of why I keep having stomach aches, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, and this is a tradition, um, even though it it might sound a little strange to sort of uh, the modern mind, this is something that our ancestors used to do as a matter of course, um, really ask the plants for help, invoke their spirits for healing, invoke their presence in our lives. And I think, you know, a good example of this is um, India, in India. So India has a, a long, like millennia-old tradition of plant reverence and plant worship. Um, you know, and all ancient cultures really did, but what makes India special is that they've never stopped. So it's a continuous tradition that still stands today. Um, so you know, you'll see a lot of temples in India are actually built around trees, and it's thought that the trees themselves were the original temples. Um, and they have all of these beautiful uh, rituals and ceremonies involving plants. So they'll like circumambulate, they'll walk around trees, you know, 108 times and uh, praying and saying mantras and things. And I just, I love that idea. Um, so sort of to take a page from that that book, um, I, I like the idea of uh, really, you know, plants have long been seen as a conduit between earth and the divine. Um, you know, and used in many, many religious ceremonies worldwide. Um, and in India, the the plants are actually considered to be an embodiment of the gods themselves. Um, so, like, for example, the Tulsi plant, which we know as holy basil, is considered to be an embodiment of the goddess Lakshmi. And Tulsi is so sacred that it's said that no Indian household is complete without a Tulsi plant. And even the breeze that touches the Tulsi plant is considered to be blessed. Um, So there's this whole ritualistic aspect to the handling and caring for that plant, even like watering the plant is considered an act of devotion. Um, So I love that. I think it's, you know, in general, invoking the spirits of the plants for healing when you use them physically or even if you're not using them physically. um, It's just a great way to get involved with your own healing process because the more intention you put into your remedies, even if it's just a cup of tea, um, the more potent they're going to be and the more you're going to get out of that. Um, And another thing I'll mention with with sort of coming into relationship with plants is, so just like a friendship, right, you wouldn't just um, take, take, take from another person without giving anything back. Um, So with the plants, it's also a really good practice to offer gratitude. So if you drink that cup of chamomile tea and your belly feels better, just take a moment and say thank you. Uh, Or even better than saying it, feel it, right? Feel it in your heart because the connection, what's really going to get you into connection with plants is coming from the heart. Um, I think that probably more than anything else is is true, (laughs) is how to connect with plants is from the heart. Um, so yeah, offering gratitude. Also, there are, there's a traditional practice of, uh, leaving offerings out in nature.
6: Mm-hmm. So if you
4: go and, and harvest a plant from your garden or from the wild, or if you're just meditating with a plant and you've had a good experience, it's really nice to leave, um, a small gift. So traditional Native American gifts would be like a pinch of cornmeal or tobacco. Um, other suggestions might include, you know, crystals. Um, ha- something handmade, like a handmade bead, even a lock of your hair, or even a song, or a devotional chant, or a mantra, or something like that. Um, so those are you know, sort of some simple, simple everyday things that people can start doing to connect with plants.
2: I have a uh, cedar tree out back, and whenever I harvest some of the cedar for use in smudging, I always leave tobacco behind just because that's mm. just what you, uh, you need to do just to uh, thank the, uh, the earth for giving things that we need and, and giving a little bit back in return. So in Eastern thought, um, religion and philosophy and psychology and medicine and all these things are all completely combined and you mentioned a lot of the uh, plant and herb devotion in India. Is that also connected with their practice of yoga in some way?
4: Mm. Yeah, um, it really is. And in fact, um, Ayurveda is you know the ancient healing system that comes out of India. Mm-hmm. um and ayurveda is so beautiful because it really um it really connects body mind and spirit and it really carries i think that's why a lot of uh western people are attracted to ayurveda because it it really honors that spirit of of the plants um but yeah in terms of yoga this is another comparison that i really like to make because uh so yoga is something that um, m- most people at this point know about right it's very popular and anybody can practice yoga no matter what religion you are your belief system you know race gender not, not, none of that matters and the same is true for herbalism anyone can do it right and become healthier and have benefits but like with yoga um, you know yoga a lot of people practice yoga as simply a physical practice um, so just for the body's health to to be more flexible and strong but other people really take it to another level and really, you know, practice yoga maybe to get more in touch with themselves. So um, especially our emotions. Yoga is really good for getting us in touch with our emotions because, you know, a lot of times we have emotions that become locked, as any body worker will tell you, become Absolutely. sort of locked
3: in our tissues, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you're doing yoga and you have a, a good heart-opening
4: pose, uh, sometimes you can have feelings arise from that Uh you know, past pains or things that need to be released. Um, So yoga can really help us get more in touch with ourselves. And it can also be a devotional practice, right? So people will often practice yoga to feel more in touch with the divine in whatever form that takes for them. Um, And herbalism is really the same way. All of those things I just said about yoga um, can also be said for, for herbalism. So it can be simply a physical practice, right, where you drink that chamomile tea for your bellyache, and that's it. You can stop there and that's fine. Um, Or you can really start to get more in touch with your emotions through the use of plant medicines. And one way of, um, you know, one form of medicine that's really designed for that is flower essences. Um, So these are more of an energetic medicine. Uh, It really, I think flower essences sort of, um, take a page from the book of plant spirit healing as a whole uh, because it's the idea that the energy, the the flower essences are so diluted that, um, you know, there's very little if any physical plant matter left in that final product that you're taking. Um, So it's actually the vibration and the energy of the plant that's helping you. And they're really designed um, not to so much deal with physical issues but with more emotional and psychological issues, like, for example, white chestnut is a flower essence for the monkey mind, like the overactive mind, repetitive thoughts, and things like that. Um, So that's sort of the, on the emotional level, and then taking it to the spiritual level. Plants, uh, like I was saying earlier, have been used for a long time by major religions for connecting with the divine. So, like you mentioned, um, the burning of sage or, uh, you know, any number of of different herbs for smudging. Mm. Um, As a Native American tradition, I've heard with cedar in particular, um, I I don't know if this is your experience, Joe, but um, I've read that the the thought behind that is that our prayers rise on the cedar smoke to the heavens, which I think is such a beautiful concept. And it's really, when you think about it, um, there are analogs in many different religions. So even in like the Catholic Church, burning frankincense and myrrh incense. Um, It's that same idea. It's like the smoke uh, causing you to gaze upward and the the aroma um, invoking maybe a sense of reverence and things. Um, So plants are, are often used to connect with the divine as well, much like yoga. So they're very similar. In my mind, the two are very similar.
2: I was just going to bring up the use of frankincense and myrrh in a Catholic church to take your <laughs> thoughts and prayers to the divine and have that connection. That uh, Because those uh, the aromas, if you, you know, I'm sure you uh, have a little bit of a knowledge of aromatherapy. Those aromas can trigger certain things in the mind and trigger certain things in the emotional aspects of us and allows us to connect with the divine more clearly. And frankincense mm-hmm. and myrrh is, is one of those things. So it's it's. You know, everything is connected. We we over right. here in the West have have divided it up to the point where everything is a specialty. But mm-hmm. in most of the other cultures in the East and even uh, you know as far west as uh, parts of Europe, everything is connected. You can't have psychology without religion and medicine, and, and the other way around as well. Everything is a a, a four or five legged stool. Even and if you take one leg away, it's just not going to stand up as properly. And so you know, everything has a connection and everything has an energetic level to it. So I think that's just, just fascinating. Mm. So how are plants then related to divination?
4: Hmm. Okay. So plants have been tied to divination historically um, in many different ways. So one example is um, the I Ching, You know, most of us that work with the I Ching these days will cast uh, coins um, for reading the I Ching, but uh, the traditional way was actually using yarrow stalks, which I found interesting. Mm. Um, You know, and it's everything from reading tea leaves could be, you know, considered a type of divination, working with plants. There's something called botanomancy, which is um, the art of divination by burning branches of trees or other plants, like herbs. uh, I'm going to
2: stop you right there for just a minute. We've got to take a break, and we're going to come back for one more segment in just a second. Folks, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we will be right back with Sarah Baldwin in just a moment. Stay tuned.
5: dot com.
2: Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin. Friends, our show is produced and distributed by the ever-expanding leader in new-age paranormal, alternative health, and supernatural programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and Relmar McConnell Media Company at their corporate headquarters and master control in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. To learn more about the World Beyond Radio Show, your host, or to learn a greater wealth of other amazing radio shows and their hosts, please visit www.xzbn.net To contact me to inquire about being a guest on The World Beyond, please email me at Joe Wegent, that's Joe W-E-I-G-A-N-T at xzbn.net You can also visit my website's paranormalpeace.com and reiki choice. That's R E I K I choice.com this hour. We've been talking with Sarah Baldwin and she can be reached by email at moonflowers, Sarah, that's Sarah with an H at gmail.com. Or you can visit her websites www.herbalhealingdeck.com and www.moonflowersarah.blogspot.com. Sarah, we had just started going into the use of herbs and plants in divination when we went on break. Can you go ahead and continue with that for us, please?
4: Sure. Um, so I was just mentioning uh, botanomancy, I think, when we, when we stopped. Um, so this is burning branches of trees or herbs. Um, and the fire and the smoke were read to derive messages, and this is traced back to um, the Druids and their their tree worship. Um, So those are some sort of historical um, ways that plants have been tied to divination. Of course, in the shamanic tradition, plants are often just asked directly for guidance, Um, and this is true whether for future or even present events because either one is a form of divination. Um, So sometimes this would mean ingesting a plant. So there's a whole class of plants known as onorogens. And what onorogens do is they promote dreams. Um, so deeper, creative, or even lucid dreams. Um, so sometimes in the shamanic tradition, people will ingest these onorogens to have sort of a, a, dream, a, a dream vision um, that tells them something. Um, and then, of course, there's a whole class of plants called entheogens or psychoactive plants that are it's a whole different can of worms there, but they've been used for a long time in ceremonial contexts for seeking guidance as well. But for people uh, in the modern world here and in industrialized cultures, in our culture, uh, of course this concept has fallen out of practice, right? Um, So I like to sort of, just to bring it back around for people listening, I like to explain just a really easy way of starting to work with plants as a form of divination, which is simply reading the signs of nature. And this is something that many of us already do, um, specifically with animal totems, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people in the spiritual community have animals they feel like are guides or power animals. um, But we'll also, you know, use animals that we see in our day-to-day life as messages. So if we see, you know, a fox in our yard or if a hawk flies right in front of our windshield um, we understand that it's a message meant to get our attention. So we'll go to like our Ted Andrews books or Jamie Sam's and we'll look up the meaning of that animal totem and try to figure out like, okay, how does that relate to my life? So,
3: Precisely.
4: Um, yeah, so plants can be used in the same way. Um, and the only difference is that plants, you know, they're not going to run in front of your car. <laughs> they're a little more subtle, right? Um, and I think this is why this practice isn't, more widely done um, that plants it, they take if they're a little more subtle. It's like they don't have faces or eyes. Um, they don't follow you around <laughs> in your yard. So, but there are ways that plants can be reaching out and trying to get your attention. So, you know, if you dream about a plant, or if people keep mentioning the same plant to you over and over again, if you keep coming across a plant's name even. Um, so, if you know five people in the same week um, are named Violet that you meet, that might be a message for you. Um, or even a plant's image if you keep seeing four-leaf clovers everywhere or something like that. Um, or sometimes plants, uh, because you know they have a hard time getting our attention sometimes because we're also very busy and distracted, um, sometimes plants will find more challenging ways of reaching out. So like with me, I've been battling for years in my garden with with mint taking over my garden Um and i've realized that this is this is really just a message for me Um so the same thing you know any kind of challenge that involves a plant like if a, a tree falls across your driveway maybe look into the meaning of what what type of tree that is um, So, you know and and um there's not a whole lot of literature out there unfortunately on plant meanings which is part of why I wrote the Herbal Healing Guidebook is to kind of start just a little mini encyclopedia uh, that can be added to, you know, in the future. But some ways to look up meanings of plants um, is looking into the history and folklore of a plant. Also looking into how that plant is used physically can give you a clue into its energetic properties and its meaning. So like, for example, the hawthorn tree. Um, hawthorn berries, as well as their leaves and flowers, are used for healing the physical heart. Um, mm-hmm. But they're also really good for healing the emotional heart. So if, if like a hawthorn tree is coming across your path, um, it can mean that you've got work to do with your emotional heart and opening that up and releasing past pain. Um, another good place to look for plant meanings are looking up uh, what the flower essence is used for. So um, if they're not in the box flower remedies, you can look up like the flower essence repertory, um, and oftentimes you can find really good information about um, you know the the plant's sort of signature or energy. Um, and also oftentimes plants are connected with particular mythological characters or archetypes as well. So those are really good to look into. Um, so all of those things can help you can kind of point you in the direction of understanding. A plant's message um, and a plant's meaning in your life.
2: Well, you know, maybe that mint is uh, growing in your garden just to keep the moles and deer away so you can actually grow (laughs) other things in there, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Moles hate that mint, you know?
6: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So here's here's a question for you. You know, I, I truly believe that it's so much better if you can go out and forage your own um, herbs and, uh, you know, gather those things on your own because there's that connection there. But there are so many people who either don't have access to the kinds of properties that those things will grow on in nature or, you know, can't grow them on their own or in some cases, uh, you know, like here in southern Indiana. We're not going to find Cat's Claw or a Arco or something like that mm-hmm. just growing naturally here in Indiana. So, you know, what I have to do is, is uh, order an a, a enormous percent of my herbs in from uh, warehouses and, and some other places that actually uh, gather and process those things for sale. How can we reestablish that, that uh, connection to that natural uh, spirit energy? Whenever we are receiving these things in plastic bags from from you know other states,
4: mm, that's a really good a really good point. Um, so I would suggest um, using your intention like we talked about earlier. So once you get uh, you know that that uh, plant delivered to you, maybe when you open the package or before you you start to use it, spend some time energizing that plant. Spend some time sitting with it. Put your hands on it. Um, I know you're a Reiki person, so uh, give, give the plant Reiki um, and just ask for the spirit of that plant to be present. And this is something that uh, we kind of started to touch on this earlier. You mentioned crystals and the idea of, you know, each crystal has a purpose and working with crystals. Um, so plants, for, for people who are energy workers and want to start working with plant spirits, um, <clears throat> you can kind of think of plants... The same way that you think of crystals or that you use crystals. So even if you don't have, you know, the fresh plant available to you, um, you can still you can do things like get a little bit of the dried plant, and um, you know, hold that. If you're meditating, you can hold that in your hands or place it over your heart chakra. You can also do this for your clients. Um, so the idea of plant plant spirit healing has developed into this sort of structured uh, energy work. Is the best way I can put it. Um, So it involves, if somebody says that they're a plant spirit healing practitioner, usually what they mean is um, that this healer has formed a relationship with the plants, usually through meditation, and they've aligned with that plant's vibration, uh, or attuned, if you will, to that plant's vibration so that they can transmit that healing vibration to others, so to their clients or to their friends. so once again, the idea is you don't even have to take the plant physically to benefit from its energy. Um, so you know um, you can, like I said, use them for use them like you would crystals. You can even place an image of a plant on somebody's body and invoke the spirit of that plant for healing. So I know that's not quite I kind of got off track there, Joe. But um, no, because that's a that's
2: is, a lot like homeopathy where you're taking. Yeah. Uh, you know, minuscule essences of those plants and, and mixing them with water or other chemicals, except that in the way you just described, you're using yourself as a conduit and you're doing it energetically instead of ingesting that that essence.
4: Exactly. And, I you know, I think that back to your question about how to sort of relate to a plant spirit when it shows up in a, a plastic bag, you know, Um, I think that's a really good point, and it's it's a great. um, It's just it's all about your intention, you know. It's all about your intention.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it has been just absolutely just fabulous having us having you on the show today, and uh, I I hope people are uh, at home listening and taking some of this in. That our intention, no matter what we're working with, is is everything when it comes to uh, being able to improve our lives and improve our connection to source and uh, i just i, I want to say that i'd love to have you back again sometime folks you have been listening to the world beyond the radio show i'm your host joe wegent we've been talking with sarah baldwin and trust me we will be back again and talk about something interesting please stay tuned and come back and see us again thank you have a great day